You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Run the Riot podcast. This will be the first episode where uh, you just got to hear me. Yeah. Uh, good luck with that. Anyway, <laughs> um, part of what I want to do with the podcast is um, I've always done race reports in a blog format, and I may go ahead and type something up for this one. However, I think it's um, I think it'll be neat. A lot of people just like to listen to. I know I do. I like to listen to uh, people talk about their race experience, and I do it while I'm running, while I'm training for a race. I can listen to someone talk about the race I'm going to run, and it just helps give me a, a, just a better idea. The more information that I can have about a particular race, the better. So um, that's my goal here. Once I'm done, if you feel like I've maybe left something out, man, feel free to comment, email, uh, hit me on so- up on social media, and uh, I can fill in any gaps I may have forgotten, and I can make sure to include those in future race reports. So the race we're going to talk about is October 19th. This year, 2019, I did the Pumpkin Holler 100 in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Now, this is a race uh, I've been a little bit familiar with. In 2014, uh, I ran the 50K, and I had a really good time. The weather was gorgeous. The pictures from it came out amazing, and I just really, really enjoyed the race. Uh, I chased first place uh, at the time and ended up coming out with a 430 and second place in that 50K in 2014, and I've been having it on my list to come back and run um, the 100-miler there. just just wanted to do it and uh, just never could get it in my schedule. Always had other races or other things going on at the time. Uh, last year I was recovering from uh, Tahoe and um, actually Tahoe and then Arkansas Traveler. And so Jennifer, uh, my wife, ran uh, one of the lesser distances and I just got to go and hang out a little bit. But this race is, is a gym in Oklahoma. I, I just, I guess I... Not having run it since 2014, I forgot how really cool this race is. The people that put it on, the people at the aid stations, the just the environment there and the the support is is really amazing. And even with the other runners, there is such um, a camaraderie, uh, just a, a fellowship of runners there. Really, really, really fun race. If you uh, are looking for a hundred miler, and I'll give an explanation in a little bit especially uh, if you you want a well-supported race, if you just not real good with drop bags, if you don't have a crew, man, there you can you can have some drop bags, a few drop bags here, but there are aid station. I think we counted 31 times you hit an aid station in the 100 miler. Yeah, so you get support, man. And uh, just a really good race. The, the course is, um, it's estimated that it's about a 10,000 uh, foot elevation gain. I think it might be a little bit less. There are some few steep hills on the course, um, but it's not real bad. It's a, a three-loop course for the 100-miler. Uh, on that first loop, it ends up being a 40-mile loop because you do an out and back of about 5.5 miles out, 5.5 miles back, something like that. And then you do the course, the, the loop two more times without the out and back, uh, and those are about 30 miles each. 
And so, uh, so you can plan it out really well. Um, you get back to the start finish after each loop, so you know you're gonna be able to resupply there. And there are a couple aid, a few aid stations where you can put drop bags. A couple aid stations where your crew can meet you. So really, really easy, uh, easy to crew even for my wife, and um, just a fun, well-supported race. Well, this year was was similar to 2014. The weather was supposed to be rainy when we started, but when we got to the starting line at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, the weather was really nice. My wife and I, we live about an hour and a half um, from Tahlequah, so we decided that we would just drive up the morning of. A lot of people end up camping out because it's on uh, the Eagle Resort uh, campground, and so a lot of people just camp out there. There are a few that rent cabins and other things, but we just decided we were going to drive up the morning of. It's, it's really nice before an ultra to get to sleep in my own bed, and with an 8 o'clock start, which is pretty late compared to a lot of the races we do, Man, I figured I could get a good night's sleep, wake up early, uh, drive over there, and have plenty of time to, to get everything together, get myself set, and uh, and race. So um, anyway, we got there that morning. I, I had to do my packet pickup, uh, pin my bib on, and just kind of hung out a little bit, visiting with people. And normally, I guess for the last few hundreds and, and greater I've done, I've been um, been a little nervous you're always a little nervous. I mean, let's face it, you're always a little nervous at the beginning of a of an ultra. Um, I guess the, the impending pain that you know you're going to deal with, like you know at some point it's going to hurt. And and going into that, uh, unless you're just a masochist, you, I mean, you're excited and you're pumped and you're ready to get started, but you're also a little bit, there's a little bit of nerves there. You know, you're, you're waiting for the start and you're thinking, yeah, I'm going into this, it's going to be fun for a while and then I'm going to hurt. But um, so I really wasn't all that nervous for this one. I've been having a little trouble with my, my right knee. That's the, the knee that I had multiple surgeries on. Um, and, uh, and nothing to do with running. Uh, the, all the surgeries were to do with jujitsu and a trampoline. So, um, anyway, for some reason, just out of the blue, my knee was giving me some trouble. So I was a little concerned with it, but, but with the nature of the course, there was nothing technical. It's all on uh, gravel and dirt roads. Um, I, I really wasn't nervous about that. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And, um, you know, if something, if I have a major issue and I feel like I, I need to shut her down, I'll, I'll shut her down. But, uh, I wanted this race. I wanted to, to finish this race and, um, just do a good job. Now, uh, just about every race that I go into kind of seriously, I end up making a, a pace chart. And what it is, is each aid station, um, I have an estimated time based on my finish pace. Really just, just an estimation to give my wife Jennifer an idea on when I'm going to be coming through an aid station. Also to give me some information on where the next aid station is, how far down it is, and to know how far I am uh, behind or ahead of my projected finish. I usually have an A, B, and a C goal. And for this race, uh, my A goal was uh, 18 hours. I wanted to give it a give it a shot at 18 hours. My B goal was 20, and of course, uh, C goal I wanted an under 24 hour for this race. So uh, there was still some you know some unknowns. It had been a little while since I've run it. I, I didn't remember everything about the course and how steep some of it was. So um, I figured that was a that was pretty good, pretty conservative for my abilities and and where where I am at right now in my fitness. And so. Um, anyway, we get there that morning and like I said, it was supposed to be kind of rainy and then a beautiful day and, uh, the rain finished before we started. And so, um, we, we got to the start line, 
Um, I had uh, everything that I needed and in my pack. I, I talked with uh, Jennifer and uh, uh, a little bit. We have a little pre-race kind of rituals that we do, and uh, we both know the drill. And uh, Stormy, who's helping out with um, with the race, getting everything kicked off, gave us some instructions on what to do. And then TZ smashed the pumpkin, <laughs> and we started. If you don't know, um, that's the, a gun doesn't get fired to start off the pumpkin holler hundred. A uh, pumpkin gets thrown to the ground and smashed to bits, and that's the start of the race. So uh, yeah, so at the start of the race, the hundred milers and the hundred k and the fifty k all started at the same time. I believe an hour or two later, they would start with the 25K and the 10 mile and um, maybe another race. I don't remember offhand, um, but we all started at the same time. So uh, it's very important to be disciplined and not to go out super fast, like with a, a 30K -er who's only got one loop, you know, um, and so um, just went out and I had my set pace. I decided what I was going to run. I was going to try to keep it between, um, I guess, eight and a half to a 10 minute pace, just comfortable. Um, nothing, nothing too strenuous, but, uh, just run on feel, uh, but don't run too hard. That was my, uh, my goal to, to run a, um, to do the 18 hours. Uh, I figured it was about a 10 minute, 48 second pace. And I, I always like to just go out while there's some excitement while I can see, because I slow down at night. I like to go out and just, uh, you know, bank a little bit of time, but not go too crazy with it. Um, and so, so we just took off and ended up, uh, catching some miles and, and visiting with some, uh, some folks that I knew, uh, some folks I didn't know, but, uh, got to know them. And, um, it's always fun at a race, you know, you're running along and you're in a race and you're just meeting people, talking to people, um, and, uh, just, just enjoying time visiting. Got to run with, uh, Jacqueline Long, uh, who, who's done a lot of races around here in the Kansas area. So we ran together for a little bit. She was also in the 100. Also ran with uh, Shannon Box and Sean Slauson on that first uh, loop. They were both doing the 50K. And so we shared some miles together, just, just talking, you know, hanging out and uh, just racing, but, but enjoying the trail, enjoying the weather, uh, enjoying getting to visit with other people while we did what we love. And um, so... Uh, we're doing that first loop and you know sometimes some people some uh, I believe Shannon ended up running ahead because he was only doing the 50k uh, and some of the others just kind of fall behind or you leave somebody in an aid station and just kind of end up doing your thing um, at this race because of the frequency of the aid stations um, I decided I was going to wear my uh, ultra spire momentum vest uh i'm on the ultra spire immortal team kind of an ultra spire ambassador i love their equipment i love their philosophy on things and uh, this particular vest uh has some great pockets in the front to put some nutrition and some little side pockets for it and it also you can carry two 500 milliliter uh they call them the hybrid flasks um and they're they're, they're soft but they're hard this that's the way i explain it and they sit down on the small of your back and i can just reach back and grab them um, I like to use bottles when I can because it's a better measure of how much fluid I have left. I can measure um, how much I'm, I'm drinking and um, at a freak, you know, with this one with frequent aid stations, the bottles are just good. I can, I can run through an aid station or I can stop and fill up really quick. Um, I didn't take a, a, a bladder vest, uh, though I, in some races like this, I have taken a, uh, used a vest that has a bladder just so I can run through aid stations and save time. Um, 
but for this one, I didn't. I took the bottles and it, it worked great. It was good. I didn't have any issues. I was able to, um, I was just able to get everything I needed and, um, you know, fit any of my extra nutrition uh, in the, the pockets for it. Uh, I also, I, I was fueling, I used to do a lot of uh, tailwind and tailwinds worked really well for me for a while. But after a while, tailwind started uh, messing with my stomach. Um, I'm not sure. And those of you who run a lot of races, you something that works for you really great one year, the next year will turn your stomach and you just can't even think about tasting it anymore. And so I can't do tailwind anymore, but I discovered uh, e-fuel. Uh, e-fuel has a mixture of uh, some complex carbs and some simple carbs and some uh, other um, just uh, electrolytes and everything. And it's kind of a uh, my base fueling. And so I used e-fuel uh, for my base fueling. I had one of those bottles that always was filled with uh, e-fuel. And my goal was to drink one of those an hour. One of those would have 210 calories uh, and also some electrolytes. And then in my other bottle, I had just water uh, that I would use when I was eating a Cliff Bar or something like that and just wanted just plain water to wash it down. And uh, so that's that's what I used, the Momentum Vest with e-fuel. Uh, for shoes, I wore my Ultra Olympus 3.5s. Uh, these are a new pair. I wore the Ultra Olympus 3.0 for the Tahoe 200, and they were phenomenal. And I wore that same pair a month later for Arkansas Traveler 100 last year. And uh, I still have life in them. I almost picked them up again and wore them for this race, but I decided to go with the new ones. Um, th- this road was a uh, this this trail was a lot of gravel. Um, gravel and dirt and so um, just just rock you know gravel and rocks and uh, I just wanted to really cushion my feet uh, from those rocks 100 miles on it um, you know could put could put a hurting on your feet and so with the extra padding on the Olympus Olympus if you don't know is Ultra's max cushion trail shoe man they were great my feet were so happy I didn't have any blistering Uh, I wear in gingy socks and they protect my toes, man, and um, had had no blistering, no foot issues. Uh, I wore my gaiters over them in case it got dusty later during the day, but um, I never changed my shoes and socks. Just kept everything going for 100 miles, and uh, man, I was, was good to go. Um, and so uh, that's a lot of information all at once, but uh, so anyway, the first loop was pretty uh, uneventful. It was, I mean, smooth sailing. We did the out and back. Um Man, Pumpkin Holler does a great job of uh, on the out and back of um, even on the out and back that first time they have a waffle stop where they're cooking waffles and man it smelled so good but it was early in the race and I ran through and after it man I was I was kind of those waffles were coming back to haunt me uh, our buddy Roman was out there cooking them and um, I said man I should have should have gotten some waffles man that smelled really good um, but I but I ran through and. Um, First loop, like I said, not too eventful. Um, got back to the start and finish. Um, sat down just for a real, real quick with my, my wife and uh, her mom and the kids, and just kind of refilled, grabbed what I needed, and uh, and got back out there. Um, that first loop took me. Uh, it was forty miles, uh, six hours and nineteen minutes. So I was making good time. I was ahead of schedule. Um, still feeling really good, not having. Uh, not having any issues, but it was starting to warm up. Um, it, it got it got a little warm. I believe it got into the uh, the 70s, and part of the tr- part of the the roads were exposed, so it was warming up. And I was having to be real intentional uh, about maybe taking a little extra salt um, and making myself drink uh, a little more water than I was before. Um, trying to hydrate, uh, I could I could feel, and I ended up probably getting a little dehydrated. Uh, I 
during the race, um, it looked like, you know, you kind of take off in a race and you see how it's going to pan out. And of course my, my, my a goal was I wanted to win this, you know, try to win the race. Well, uh, it looked like my competition was going to be another, uh, another fellow by the name of David. His name is David Box and David, David's an uh, incredible runner. He's done a lot of great things. He's got some, you, when you look at our ultra signups, we've pretty similar in a lot of ways in the way we run things. And I knew he was going to be, he was going to be a tough guy to, to race with. And so, uh, during the first loop, I mean, he was maybe five, 10 minutes. He got to be five, 10 minutes ahead of me. And, uh, but I was, you know, I was going to run my race. I'm running what I felt. Uh, I wasn't really in a competitive mode. You know, everybody was like, Oh, he's right there. He's right ahead of you. And I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I'm running my race, you know, banking on maybe, maybe he'd fade out or, or whatever. But, um, I was just trying to save some, some energy in the tank because a hundred miles can get long. Um, on the second loop, I believe the heat was, was starting to wear on us a little bit. Um, I remember at Savannah's corner, uh, where my, my buddy, uh, Justin Franklin and my other buddy, John Nobles, um, are at that aid station, man, I ran up and they pointed, he's right there. And I could see Dave Box taking off from the aid station right as I got there. And I'm like, yeah, but I need water. (laughs) So I had to refill my, my bottles and everything. And, um, then I, I kind of gave chase a little bit, but, uh, man, I just really wasn't, um, I was just, just running my race. I, the, the competitive spark, um, was, was there a little bit, but, uh, I was just, I f- felt at peace at just running, uh, where I felt I could run at the time. Um, so, uh, anyway, we went, went through for that second loop and, um, second loop ended up being, um, finished that 30 miles in five hours and 30 minutes. Pretty pleased with that. I was still, um, I still think I was right on schedule for, for maybe a little ahead of schedule for 18 hours. And, um, you know, during this race, one of the things, especially in the the later hours, because that last loop, um, it was basically going to be in the dark, you know, from mile 70 on, um, you you know, we're going to be in the dark. We're going to finish this bad boy, uh, in the dark. And so, um, with all the aid stations, it, it can be a blessing and a curse. Uh, let me first say this. Every single aid station at Pumpkin Holler 100 was top-notch. Every single one had experienced people, mostly runners that knew what you were going through, knew the questions to ask, um, and just, hey, before I could even get there, hey, what do you need? And I was, you know, and, and before I even knew what I needed, you know, sometimes I just needed to look and say like, Okay. Um, yeah. Pretzels. I want some pretzels or yeah, you got bacon. And, uh, when the, when, when it's nighttime, man, my go-to, uh, I actually switched. I wasn't doing the e-fuel anymore at night. I just did water. And at every aid station, I would grab a cup of either chicken noodle soup, uh, potato soup, broth, whatever they had that was, that was, that I could just chug down and, you know, soup wise, And uh, that's what I ended up fueling on once the sun went down. Um, I think I was a little behind on my calories coming in there. But let me tell you, every aid station had soup or uh, chicken broth or potato soup. Some of them had all of it. One of them asked, you want some cheese and bacon on that? And I was like, yes, I do. Put some cheese and bacon on the potato soup. Yes, thank you very much, ma'am. I will kiss you. It was amazing. So um, just uh, kudos to Pumpkin Holler 100 for your aid stations. Yeah. Super awesome. 
took care of me. I, I, I just, I enjoyed it. I enjoy, I enjoy getting to the aid station because it's, it's a, a change of, of pace and it's just something to look forward to. But when you see the smiling faces and you smile back at them and you get to just, just for even a minute, you know, talk to them and visit and, and kind of get that little boost. And they're so encouraging. Every single one of them is like, go get it, have fun. You're doing great. You look great. And I was like, I don't feel great, but anyway, whatever. They were awesome. So um, kudos to, to every single one of the aid stations. So I was chasing David Box, um, you know, uh, and then at, at the, the last loop, um, I was running solo. I didn't have any pacers lined up, and I, I do that a lot. Um, I mean, it's rare that I have a pacer, and I might need to rethink that because um, on a races that I have had a pacer, uh, for instance, the Rouge Orleans, uh, some of you have heard my interview with Edie. Who, who paced me for that last 30 miles of that 126 miles. Um, I guess for that race, uh, the people that I was even with for that last 30 miles, the people that I was even with at Rouge Orleans when Edie came and started pacing me, I opened up a two-hour gap on one of them and a five-hour gap on the other. And the only difference was I had a pacer. And I could just shut my brain off and just listen and just follow. And for that one, I was pretty tired. And basically, Edie would say, okay, let's run now. We're going to run for a while, and then I'll give you a walk break. And she basically would run me until she thought I was about to die. And then she would say, okay, let's take a short walk break. And so I could just turn, I can just go into autopilot and, and follow her and just latch on to her and her energy for that last little bit. And so um, I do you know, have a, a small amount of pride, um, in some of the races when I won Prairie Spirit, um, I did it all by myself, I didn't have a crew, it was me and my drop bags, and so I, I do take a, a small amount of pride in that, but for, for a race like this, um, and, and nothing, listen, this is nothing against Dave, David Box, um, and his win for the race, but, uh, he, he ended up, he had some pacers, he had a couple pacers, which is, which is awesome, you know, it's his choice, and, and I chose not to, and uh, I just wonder if, if I'd have had that little extra energy, that little push on that last loop, somebody come in fresh and give me that energy. Because when you're visiting and talking with people, your mind's off the pain you're in, you've got just something to latch on to, to push. And so um, anyway, in that last loop, um, you know, um, I just was kind of on autopilot. I was by myself. I was listening. I listened to, I listened to a whole book. It's the third time I, I read it or listen to it. It's called Once a Runner. A lot of you probably heard it, and I just put my headphones on, and I've run hundreds before with no music or anything, and for this one, I said, hey, I'm going to listen to a book, and so I listened to the book, the whole book, and um, ran into that last loop, and um, there were some points where I, I thought maybe I would run a little hard and, and try to see if I could catch him. You know, you never know if somebody fades or... Uh, or just kind of wigs out, and, and so I thought about that, but for the most part, I was just, just running my race. Um, I kind of got word that uh, third place uh, was was a good bit behind me, um, but I still wanted to push a little bit, so ended up finishing that third loop uh, six hours and 13 minutes, probably a little slower than it should have been. Uh, probably should have pushed a little bit more. I have to say this, though, uh, in in the dark, you know, do slow down a little bit in the dark. I, did, I slowed down a little bit in the dark. Uh, David Box, who ended up winning in a great time, um, he ended up actually uh, 
he sped up <laughs> his his last loop uh looking at his last loop it was uh he finished the last one in 526 where his second one was 537 and so uh he sped up and so he had he he finished really strong and he finished in 17 hours and 9 minutes uh i ended up finishing 18 hours and 4 minutes and so uh so he opened up quite a gap on me for that last one uh i do have to say at at night um for for illumination i told you i'm an ultra spire uh ambassador and i use their ultra spire lumens uh, 600 3.0 i know that's a lot of stuff but it's a waist belt that i used at night uh, it's the same one that i used for um western states this year it is great it's got a uh, it's got a battery an interchangeable battery that is rechargeable so i put I, I bought a spare battery i have one that's in there and i have an, a spare one in my pack i didn't need it um, the bright setting at 600 lumens is very bright. I usually, so I get a little extra time. I put it on the medium setting. Um, now one of the things with a waist light that I noticed here that I, I don't really notice on the trails is, um, uh, on the trails, you can't really see that far anyway, especially single track with a lot of turns. So you're not looking that far ahead. Um, and so you, you're looking at the trail right in front of you and about 15 feet in front of you. And that's fine. Because we were on a, a gravel road, uh, it was much more noticeable that I couldn't see really far ahead. Like if I wanted to look way down the road, I couldn't see with the waistlight. I didn't need to. It was mostly just if I just wanted to look around or get a, see if I'm about to hit a big stinking hill again or something like that, if there's a climb coming up. Um, it wasn't necessary. And so there, I may, I love the waistlight. It helps you to be able to see um potholes and, and rocks and everything so much better. Um, I trip so much less wearing a waist belt, but I, I may end up supplementing um, either just with a small, cheap headlamp that I can turn on and off. I hate wearing a headlamp though. I love this waist light and I hate a big, heavy thing on my head. And the previous one I had is a, is a big one. It's nice and it does some cool things, and but it's heavy on my forehead. So I may get a small one that, that I can still shoot a beam. And um, I believe uh, Ultraspire has some nice small ones that the batteries last really long and uh, they're not real heavy on your head. And, I, you know, it doesn't have to be real strong. Just shoot a beam so I can see kind of what's ahead and then even turn it back off. And so uh, I may end up supplementing with that uh, in the future, especially for trails where you can see far ahead and you want to, to look down the trail. Uh, another benefit of a waistlight is if, um, uh, if someone's closing in on your tail, following behind you, if you turn around to look back, if you have a, a headlamp on, they're going to see you looking back. And, and if they don't hadn't noticed they're closing in on you, they will when you turn your big stinking headlamp behind you. Um, with a waist light, you can look back and you don't have to cover it like so many of us do when you're looking back to see how close someone is behind you. So that's another benefit of the waist light. But I'm, I'm a huge fan uh, of the waist light. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep using it. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. So the race ended up, man, I, I finished, um, my goal was 18 hours. I finished in 1804. Um, very pleased. Uh, I know I had more in the tank. Uh, I think if I'd have fueled a little bit better, I'd have been a little stronger toward the end and, uh, could have finished stronger. Uh, maybe if I'd have had a pacer, I could have, um, could have knocked, 
some good time uh, off of that. But uh, but it was an exciting race. They were joking around at the aid stations. They were watching the the Dave versus Dave, you know, David Box versus David Terrio, and so it's kind of fun, man. And um, I got to sit down at the the finish line. I finished, and yeah, it was pretty cool. The finish line, uh, Justin Walker, who uh, is just a just a good guy who moved away from us here in Oklahoma, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll forgive him. But he came down and he was there at the start finish, and uh, actually when it, at each loop, when I finished the first second loop, he was there checking on, seeing what the runners needed. Just you know, he's this guy's run a bunch of races. He knows the drill, and so it was good to see my friend there. And uh, and then at the end to have him hand me my buckle. Uh, and the second place uh, trophy, uh, which was a pumpkin surprise. So now I got two pumpkins. Uh, anyway, and so I got to go sit down for a few minutes and talk with David Box. He had been, he was still sitting there, kind of. Um, I guess he was eating and just just recouping a little bit from the race. And we got to talk a little bit about it, and uh, it was just good, you know. I, people, um, I love friendly competition. It's really cool. And so just to be able to sit there and talk, and he's like, man, I thought you were going to catch me. I was like, I almost did. And, you know, and he was kind of shared with me what was going through his head, you know, how he hit a rough patch. And I shared with him what was going on through my head. And so it's just, it's good competition. And if we can push each other to do better, to be better humans, you know, to be better racers, then, man, that's a good thing. You know, if we cruise through life and, and never, never get pushed, never get pressed, um, we'll never find our, our real potential. And, uh, you know, I think he said, you know, thank you for pushing me, uh, to make a better time. Cause I was scared you were going to catch me. And I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, that's really, really cool. And so I love our sport. I love the people in our sport. Um, this race was great. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, if you need a first, uh, 100, that's not too, it's not technical. Um, but it, I mean, like any hundred miles, it will challenge you but plenty of support, uh, easily accessible uh, crude aid stations where the crew can get to. There's only um, two per loop. Um, man, I, I really recommend Pumpkin Holler to you. You'll love it. Uh, I have a feeling if you do it once, you'll want to go back and do it again. There are people that do this thing all the time. Every year, they're back and they do the Pumpkin Holler 100 and they just have a good old time hanging out after, enjoying life, enjoying the company. And so, um, so highly recommend it to you. Uh, up next for me racing, I have, uh, my knee is still a little sore. I'm healing up, but, um, I have the, uh, the Dreadmill challenge for December. Yeah. I'm going to run a hundred miles on a treadmill. I, I, uh, I have mixed feelings about that. I've done a 50 K in training on a treadmill, but, uh, that's, that's the extent. And that was tough. But I, I've got, I'm saving some things on my Netflix uh, list um, to watch because it's going to be long. And we the Dreadmill Challenge, you've got 48 hours to do the 100 miles, but I want to do it in 24 hours. And so that's what's next on my list uh, in the immediate future. I have a few other things that, that I might be throwing on there. But for 2020, uh, for the most part, Every race that I'm going to be doing is going to be in getting myself prepared for the Triple Crown of 200s. Uh, all things point to the Triple Crown of 200s in 2020. Super excited, super challenged, super scared <laughs> of doing this thing. But 
Uh, I like it. I like a big goal. I like something that's going to push me. And you know what? God has put amazing potential in me and in you. And I just really believe in mining that potential. If we dare greatly and fail, at least we dared greatly. If we try and we can say, man, I gave it everything I had on that day, and we learn from our failures, then then we learn from our failures, man. We have succeeded in learning. And we've kind of found where our limits were at that day and maybe learn how to push past them. And so I want to challenge you. Uh, we're getting toward the end of this year. Some of you have done amazing things this year, man. I've talked to so many people. There's so many people just pushing boundaries and limits. And, and maybe you're sitting back and thinking, man, I, I, I could have done more this year. You know, and I'm not just talking about running. You know, yeah, running, maybe you could have done more. Maybe you could have pushed a little harder, but, but maybe just in life. Maybe you could have done more in your job. Maybe you could have expanded your mind more. Listen, I, I've been challenged and I've been trying to read more, trying to fill this brain with more uh, knowledge. I want to be I want to be a better person. I want to be uh, minister to people more. Man, let's just, let's start looking toward 2020 and let's be better humans, man. Let's be nicer to each other. Uh, and let's, let's push the limits. You know, whatever you did last year, um, learn from it, grow from it, whether you succeeded or failed and push it even further next year, you know, uh, or maybe it's a new season in your life and you got to jump into something different. Uh, maybe, maybe you feel led to, to start, uh, I don't know, helping people doing a ministry, something, man, um, have something to look forward to start planning now, start, start thinking about it. Um, as if you're a Christian, start praying about it, man. Start thinking, Lord, what do you have for me next year? Um, and, and, and start planning, start doing it. You know, you gotta, these things don't just materialize. I know sometimes some of us boneheaded people have like, oh, I'm going to do this and we just go and do it. Um, but it's best to, to really think through things, really prepare, enjoy the process of watching yourself get built up into from someone who can't accomplish that goal into someone who does accomplish that goal. Man, that's awesome. That that we can build ourselves and we can we can help mold ourselves into better people, into people who can accomplish things that we couldn't do a year ago. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome that we can grow like that and that we can just push our limits, man. So I just want to challenge you. What you doing for 2020? Come on. Get on ultra sign up. Do some crazy, you know? Um, plan it out. But, you know, do it. But be smart. Uh, like I said, be smart. Plan it out. There are a lot of people who say, I'm going to run 100 miles and next week. And they go out and they get injured. Well, sometimes you succeed with that craziness. But uh, it's better to plan. It's better to lay it out and, and be smart with it and, and do it and know you did it right. Guys, on that, we're going to call it a end of an episode. Hey, look, uh, look us up on uh, Facebook and give us a follow on the Facebook page. And on Instagram, you can just do a search on either one for the Run the Riot podcast, and you'll see us. You'll see our our new logo. And uh, I'm always posting things, uh, some challenging things, but um, also just on what's coming up next. So you can kind of see what's going to be going on. i got some good interviews lined up for the coming weeks. And, uh, man, looking forward uh, to what we're going to have in 2020. So follow along, be a part of that. And hey, uh, you can also uh, check out the website. I have some information about each of the um, uh, of the podcasts on www.runtheriot.run. 
Hey, man, I hope you guys have a blessed week and uh, look forward to seeing you guys on the trail. Thanks.